This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. I'd like to welcome my guest, Lindley Dixon, back to Digging in the Dirt. I believe this is her third time here. Lindley serves as a farmer representative and co-director of the Real Organic Project. Lindley owns a vegetable farm marketing through a CSA farm to school and at farmer's markets in Durango, Colorado, with her husband and daughter. She holds a PhD in plant pathology from the University of Florida. Welcome, Lindley. Thank you, Kevin. I love coming. Yeah, well, to refresh my audience's memory, perhaps we should start with what the Real Organic Project advocates and fights for. Sure. We are a group of kind of pesky farmers that many of whom were actually the organic pioneers around the country. So certified organic farmers who were dismayed in their political attempts to change the organic standards to make sure that they had high integrity and represented soil health and pasturing animals, all of the important principles that founded the movement in the first place, make sure that that was happening behind the organic seal. And when they realized that their lobbying efforts weren't working, they got together and formed the Real Organic Project as an add-on certification to USDA Organic to represent some of those principles where the USDA was failing us. Right. Do they continue failing or have things have been going better for, in your opinion? Well, I think I'm here because this week, uh, those who have been following it heard that there was an SOE rule, Strengthening Organic Enforcement. And that passed in 2020 as a proposed rule, and we just got the final rule. And what it essentially is going to do is require more certifications throughout the supply chain so that people like brokers and traders are actually going to have to be certified which is a really important way to get uh, on top of some of the fraud that's coming in. I believe last time I was on the show, we talked a little bit about how much, um, in particular, organic grain fraud there has been. Mm -hmm. So it's going to help with that problem. But we also differentiate between sort of this illegal fraud that's happening where, uh, you know, a full shipment of grain becomes organic in the middle of the ocean uh, with fake paperwork, but as opposed to legalized fraud, where the National Organic Program has allowed practices legally uh, to be certified organic that, that go against the letter of the law in the Organic Foods Production Act. And that's where the Real Organic Project comes in. So it's wonderful to see the strengthening organic enforcement rule come into play for some of that actual fraud, but but we're still going after that legalized fraud that we don't think should be certified in the first place, things like hydroponic production and confinement of animals. So we still have our work to do. Sure. So just so everybody knows, the U.S. Department of Agriculture will, has issued this new rule that will strengthen enforcement of the current guidelines, which state that organic products must be produced without toxic pesticides, synthetic nitrogen fertilizers, antibiotics, hormones, or genetic engineering. So you're saying you're, you're welcoming this enforcement on, a, on the scale that, you know, where like, I think two farmers in Minnesota, I believe, were just convicted of $46 million in fraud for, for falsely claiming their products were organic. So that's going to take care of that. But what you're still worried about is well, it's sort of like greenwashing, you know, or organic washing, like to, to say that something's <laughs> organic, even though it isn't. Is, am I right? Yeah, but even to, just to go back to the domestic fraud, uh, the domestic report, poor organic grain uh, farmers, they've had, you know, fraud coming in overseas, and but they've had a lot of uh, domestic fraud. 
And one of the things that is part of the strength and organic enforcement is to require that there's actual acreage affiliated with a certificate so that if someone only has 50 acres of domestic corn that's certified organic and they're selling a lot more than could ever be produced on that 50 acres, that should be a red flag. The trouble is that that information is still staying I don't know if it's confidential business information or why they've been able to keep that hidden within the U.S. government, but it's not public. And that would just make it a lot easier for, you know, people that are brokering this grain to actually report suspected fraud if they could see that acreage as well. So it's a little frustrating that that aspect is still hidden, but it's a good step that they're at least collecting that data. We spoke with some Germans at, at EcoFarm here from the conference that I was just at, and they looked at the presentation of, you know, what's under this final rule to strengthen organic enforcement. They said, you know, the European Commission has had this in place since the beginning. They were really shocked that we've gone on for 20 years with a USDA National Organic Program without having these kind of basic requirements. And we're still struggling to make that uh, acreage public. So, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's a continuing battle here with transparency. That's right. <laughs> You know, you, you can pay for lobbyists. I guess you get you can bend and push and, and control, right, to get what you want. Yes. But to go back to the second part of your question about that sort of what I call legalized fraud, which is when some of these big industrial entities seek organic certification, and mostly they're just growing chemical ag, but they want to get a portion of it certified organic, they don't really want to change the way they do things. So they lobby to kind of have that standard watered down instead of changing the way they farm to get certification. And they've, they've been very successful doing that. Hmm. Yeah. And because the last time you were here, you educated me on why, you know, I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing by buying Costco organic milk and eggs, but that's not the case, right? I mean, it's, there's a, there's a problem there. Yeah. The best brands are really transparent so that you can actually figure out the farms that are, that they're sourcing from. And some of those Costco brands are, you know, private label brands or what we call them. So you don't really know the farms that are producing. So you can't take a look at their practices. Right. So like the eggs, for instance, are, could still be a CAFO. Yeah, that's the biggest one. That was one that we lost pretty early where in the rule it said, you know, chickens require are required to be have outdoor access. And then that outdoor access became a, a concrete porch off the side of a big CAFO. And the chickens don't want to go out on a porch. So it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So we're still struggling to get that one fixed. Unfortunately, that's not part of this package. Yep. So, but that's the big part about this. I think to me, it's, I think I'm pretty well informed, but I'm still not informed. And what what about <laughs> consumer education? I mean, I like, I want to do the right thing and support smaller outfits that are doing the right thing because it costs more for them to do the right thing than these bigger outfits who are making what they're calling organic. And then, there, you know, it's questionable. Yeah. And I, I know that people really want to support food that matches their values, but also tastes better too. So oh, man, it's does a bummer it. when you take a bite into just like a, a blueberry or strawberry that's organic and you're like, this is not, uh, you know, the organic strawberries that I grew up eating and, and something's changed and it's because the production practices are hydroponic and they just don't get that complexity of flavor. So we're hopeful that this Real Organic Project label can, the thing that we're really trying to clear up is transparency. And uh, and that would really help solve a lot of these problems so that people can just make more informed choices. When we say, if you're, if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. So it's a confusing marketplace because the industry is so good at 
tricking everyone um, into thinking that they're the small family farm. You know, they're really good at marketing better than we are sometimes. If you can't track a product all the way back to the farm, if it's kind of a label that that brings products together, it, you know, it might it might have some integrity, but ask, email them and ask them for a list of their farms, a full list, you know, not just a token farm that's doing something good, uh, watered down by an, a big industrial operation. But ask for the fullest of their farms. If they don't provide that, don't support them. Unfortunately, we've got to do a little more homework it's not right. it's not easy to be a, a responsible consumer these days and your website i believe has some information where people can start tracking down companies that you you have approved yeah correct yep that that's true real organic project is our website we we have a bunch of videos of of the farmers where they sell their stuff we've got a symposium coming up uh the end of february and first week end of march it's it's two sundays in a row so it's last week sunday of February first Sunday of March, where we're going to discuss some of the issues of the greenwashing that's going on, and you know the regenerative movements don't have a standard behind them, and so they're getting even more quickly co-opted than organic has been, and so it's just more important now than ever to see if you can actually do some tracing yourself uh, back to the origins of your food, and you know you'll you'll be healthier if you do it. This is the problem, though. I mean, people don't have people are trying to earn a living, not <laughs> try to figure out where, where their food's coming from. That's really that's why I think the USDA was came up with the organic created. label, right? Yeah. And then and now you first place. And now you're you know the real organic project is going to add a second label on there, and it's about getting the information out to the public to say if you see both of those labels, then you're pretty re reassured that it's doing the right thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of label overload in the marketplace, and I, I always tell people to see if you can at least do a minimum amount of research behind a label and figure out who brought it to you. There was a so where some of the USDA organic standards have been weakest, like the chicken situation that we were talking about. There, there came out a pretty high integrity label called Certified Humane to kind of you know, address that issue. Uh, they didn't have to feed organic grain, but, you know, the chickens actually really had to be outside. And then right after that, the industry came out with their own humane certified. They reversed those two words and they had their own label. It was a really bad label. The same thing happens with fair trade. Their fair trade international uh, was a great group of people. And then the industry came out with fair trade USA. And now that's everywhere because it's just cheaper and easier for the industry to get that certification. And people assume it's the same thing. So if you can just do some basic research on who brought you the label, that tends to, you know, show greater integrity if you feel good about a grassroots movement that's that's willing to enforce their own standards as opposed to the industry. If that helps. That helps. We're talking to Lindley Dixon of the Real Organic Project. Lindley, it, you've been locking horns, so to speak, with the USDA and all these these bigger corporations, these big big players. I, I don't know if I want to use names, but there's some really big berry players that are yeah. growing things hydroponically. And this is one of your big beefs, right? The the Real Organic Project is just insistent that growing things hydroponically is not the same. It's not organic like growing it in fertile soil. And, and right. how's that how's that fight going on? Not so great. I mean, we're we're getting a lot of farmers across the country that completely agree with us and they're signing up for the label. But as far as getting the USDA to change their policies or even identify it as hydroponic in the in the grocery store, that's not happening. It would be great if these companies would just be willing to be transparent. But when you email them, they all deny that they even grow hydroponically. They say they're container growers. 
And one of the worst things that happened was, you know, in order to set up these just completely plastic farms that are disposable, you know, a, a blueberry plant is supposed to last 50 years, all the soil grown uh, berries last for decades. And then, and then these plastic farms are completely disposed and done with in, you know, about five to eight years. And then they just start over. But, but one of the loopholes that they take advantage of is to herbicide the fields and laser level them before they lay the plastic down um, and then put the pots on top of the plastic and then of course they've got another layer of plastic on top of that so it's just plastic on plastic, plastic yeah. and the, <laughs> the usda said you know yeah go ahead you could use those herbicides on the land right before you transition to organic as long as you put your pots up on six inches so they came out with this statement they didn't say this like six inch stand rule they just said you can't use herbicides and then convert it to organic on land and the way they're getting around that on land, and it was said, you know, by the uh, Jenny Tucker is her name, the deputy administrator of the National Organic Program, on land was like three or four times. We, we were like, what is she talking about? Why she keeps saying on land? Well, we realized you can do this immediate transition to organic in both greenhouses, or you can get around it on land if you if you add these little plastic six-inch spans to the pot. So that's that's even more plastic that gets disposed. Oh, they're just man. getting around this rule. So, I mean, you could get an outbreak in a greenhouse of an insect, bomb it with a conventionally, you know, not allowed organic pesticide, and then flip it around and, and make it organic again. So it's these instant organic farms, and it just makes it so that the people who are really trying to do things right and would never touch a chemical like that just can't compete. So they're, they're really struggling for marketplace. And then, of course, they want to own the marketplace because only a small percentage of their lines are organic. The rest of their production is, is chemical agriculture. And so they can do things like, you know, if 90% of what they're producing in the marketplace is, is their chemical brand, they can actually lower the price of their organic line just well below the cost of production because they're making money off of their chemical line. And then drive everybody out of business. They also control the brokers and, you know, who gets the shelf space. So it's just, right. it's, a space it's is, just too much power. Yeah, it is a lot of power. Yeah, they don't yeah. understand shelf space. I had a little guy in my area who makes raviolis <laughs> and he couldn't get his stuff on the, in the supermarket and he's the local guy. And I'm sure that goes on with farmers all the time. And everybody wants to buy that ravioli. I bet it tastes a lot better. You know, they just don't even have the option. They don't, yeah, they don't get the shelf space. So you don't sell anything. Nobody knows who you are. So I'm curious about letting the public know why it's so much better to be growing your stuff in soil than in hydroponic water. You know, at EcoFarm, we just went to a fabulous uh, presentation of research that's all these graduate students. You know, research like that doesn't get funded because who's going to make money off of that? right? Except for just all these small farmers that are doing fine anyway. So finally, some of this research is being done at UC Davis, where there are these soil scientists that are looking at practices and the differences, um, different practices and, and the life in the soil. And it's kind of, I mean, there are these things called disease suppressive soils. And they're with some of the genomic uh, sequencing, they're able to just figure out what's in there. A lot of the life in the soil just isn't even culturable. So we don't even know it existed. And it only exists in relationships with other life. So it's, it's really complicated to actually culture it. But now with sequence data, just to identify it, they get this long list of all the organisms in the soil that might be responsible for what they call disease suppressive soils. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's a beautiful idea. And it's the same concept for humans and our microbiota. I mean, we know that fecal transplants are sometimes the only way to heal people when they're sick. And that's because we've got this gut microbiome that's either working for us or working against us. And so in addition to, you know, seeing some, some data that's come out over the last several years about the improved oils and, and so many more phenolics and flavonoids, all these really good, um, you know, things that are complex in the plants that there's just more of them in soil grown uh, berries in particular. And um, it's shown in some tomatoes too, but then of course you always get the science that comes out from the industry that finds the opposite. So you don't know how to make sense of it um, if, you're, if you're looking at the literature. But this last one um, where they were showing all of the life in the soil that is related to disease suppressiveness for, for plants to create healthy plants. Um, it was just really beautiful to see this research getting done and, and how complex it is. But That's it goes great. back to the original organic paradigm that like soil health creates plant health, creates human health. And, and to see, you know, legitimate scientists backing those claims is pretty exciting. Yep. But it's a complex world out there. <laughs> and for me, the bottom line is the trace minerals and all this biology you're talking about wow. makes the, the the fruit that the plant gives you taste really good. <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, a beautiful thing, too. Absolutely. Yeah, if you try a, I'm going to say a Driscoll strawberry, they're like cardboard. There's nothing in them. You know, it's like, I'm. you know, that's the difference between picking a fresh strawberry from an organic field and then getting something that's hydroponically grown for me. And I think yeah. a lot of people recognize that. And that's why they want to eat organic and not only for the taste, but for the health reasons. And a lot of those varieties are picked to store, you know, in the shipping crates for a couple of weeks uh, right. before you actually get to eat them. And so you can get a much better tasting product if you buy it locally. Um, so even if you get a really good soil grown organic berry, if it comes from far away, they're going to have to pick the varieties that t- don't taste as good either. So finding your local farmer to do it, eating seasonally, freezing it for the winter. So buying in bulk when things are in season, uh, those are all the things I'd recommend. Some mm-hmm. people you know right and so from what i'm hearing from you that the consumer is going to have to rely on organizations like yours to get tougher standards i mean in other words you're going to say that this we we have deemed that this particular farm or organization is doing the right thing by organic standards and that you that label is the real organic project label and, and you can rely on it am i right that, that that we can't rely on the usda to give us that they have they, they've been watered down enough I know, and you were hoping for better news with the strengthening of our organic yes. <laughs> integrity, this SOE rule that came out this week. But it is it is good to hear that they are cracking down on fraud at the borders and, and domestic fraud. But I'm afraid if you care about things like, uh, you know, soil sequestering carbon um, in our agriculture, you're going to have to keep looking for, for the Real Organic Project label for that. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap it up here, what would you like to see people listening do to help out? Is it, is it personal practices that will help change things in, as a group? And and also, where can they get more information? Yeah, go to go to realorganicproject.org. And you can we have this great program called, uh, you know, if you're a real friend, you get to join monthly book clubs. It's really kind of complex what I just touched on today. There's so much to learn. There's yeah, all there these is. wonderful authors that are part of that. And you actually... For these book clubs, the authors come to them, and we've had really great. We've 
you know, had Paul Hawken and Fred Bravenza is coming up next. Um, we had Alan Savory just this last month. So you can see all those old recordings that you missed and join us for this year's selection of book clubs and just tell your friends. We send out weekly letters and we, we do conferences and symposia. So you'll just keep up to date on all of uh, the good work that we do to keep the organic movement strong at the grassroots level. So. Yeah, you definitely want to sign up for their weekly newsletter. I stay in the loop with The Real Organic Project and hear a lot about all these different issues that are going on. So I highly recommend that you uh, go to realorganicproject.org and sign up for and learn a little bit more about this issue that we face. Well, Lindley Dixon, co-director of The Real Organic Project, thank you so much for coming by and explaining it to us and uh, letting us know what uh, is going on. Thanks for having me, Kevin. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher.